I am going to speak to you this morning, uh, and we're going to continue our sermon series called the Come to Worship the Boy Who is Lord. Come to Worship the Boy Who is Lord. And the title of this morning's message is Bow Your Knees. So before we begin, I want to take a moment to wish you a very merry, merry Christmas, right? We are celebrating Christ. Be joyful in this season. And we're focusing on Christ, the Christ of Christmas this morning. We're celebrating the virgin birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And today, this morning, I thank you for being here because you've decided to take a pause, a moment to simply recognize who he is. And not only who he is, but what he means to the world. And I want to pray that you would experience the power of Christ this Christmas. So if you're new with us this morning, we've been in this teaching series called Come to Worship the Boy Who is Lord. And uh, we base that off of a, a, a scripture where the wise men said, we have come to worship Jesus. So in this series, we looked at four different postures of worship. The first week, we looked at where the Bible teaches us to lift up holy hands to God. The second week, we talked about bringing our gifts to God as an act of worship. And last weekend, we looked at pouring our hearts to God, praising Him for His faithfulness. So that was a message that you probably haven't heard in a lot of churches before. But sometimes you need to release. Sometimes you're like a, a pressure cooker. You know, during Thanksgiving season, I saw this uh, video, right? And uh, if you take a frozen turkey and you think you're a chef and you try to fry that frozen turkey and place that thing into that boiling uh, hot oil, what do you think is going to happen? I saw this video. It just The thing just exploded everywhere. And you know what? Sometimes during the holiday seasons, as we visit friends and family, we have a lot of people around us that are like pressure cookers, and they are ready to explode at a moment's notice. You ever heard of the straw that broke the camel's back? Yes. There's people that are so anguished from life that the very little thing, you can say the very little thing to them, and they will just explode. They will totally take it the wrong way. And so we spoke last week very powerfully about what it means to take that pressure in our life to relieve it. And I told you sometimes we have these cathartic things that we do, right, as a release of stress. And uh, I explained to you what's my cathartic thing to do when I'm really stressed, right? I take a pillow from my couch, put it towards my face, and I just scream in that thing, right? If you haven't tried it, do it. If you got a bunch of old plates that you don't like in the house, right? No, I shouldn't go there, right? <laughs> An old car, maybe, with a bat, you know? Just take your, your, your stress out on that. But I explained to you that sometimes we approach God with such reverence that we lose the fact that he is our father and that he wants to hear the cries of our heart, even the nasty cries of our heart. The Lord Jesus can handle it. Why? Because if we don't deposit that at the feet of the Lord Jesus, we'll deposit it at somebody else's feet that was never intended to take it. And what we'll do is we'll harm and we'll bleed all over people who never cut us. 
And so that was last week. So today what I want to do is I want to talk about bowing your knees, kneeling before God as an act of surrender and worship. And I want to start off the Christmas story in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. And this is talking about when the wise men actually experienced Christ. And the story goes like this. When the wise men saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, why were they overjoyed? Because for literally centuries upon centuries, they were hoping, praying, believing that one day God would send a Messiah, the Savior of the world. And the wise men believed that this was that moment when Jesus was born. And verse 11 continued on again. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Verse, verse 11 says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. And what did they do? If you have your, your outline, you can look at all the scripture verses there. What did they do when they saw his mother, Mary? They bowed down and worshipped him. They bowed down and worshipped him. Now what's interesting is most of the time when we picture this, what we visualize is we visualize wise men kneeling before baby Jesus. Little bitty, four day old, eight day old, two week old baby Jesus. But why do we do that? Because, well, Hallmark has created an image for us uh, that you have these wise men bowing down before this little baby. Many of you may not know this, but I'll share this with you. Scholars actually believe that Jesus was not a baby by the time the wise men actually got to visit him. He was a toddler. He was very likely around two years of age when the wise men got there. Remember, they traveled over 900 miles right? They didn't have American Airlines. <laughs> they didn't have, they didn't have a, a, a vehicle to travel into. And so according to their judgment, Jesus was probably about two years old. Now to me, that changes the dynamics of the story. So uh, just for fun, how many of you have a two-year-old? All right. How many of you have had a two-year-old? All right. How many of you have been around a two-year-old? Now, I'll be really honest. I'm going to tell you like it is this morning. I used to judge parents of unruly two-year-old children all the time until I had one. I just want to let you know I would judge you like crazy. Before we had kids, I knew more about parenting than anybody else. I'd see your crazy wild two-year-old banging his fist on the restaurant table, taking mashed potatoes, throwing it on the ground, and then trying to pick up that kid and the kid would just go limp on you. Come on, walk! Get up! I would look at you and think, when I'm a parent, I'm going to do a lot better than that. My kid's going to be so disciplined. I read the books. I watched the video. Let me tell you, when I had my first daughter, right, they give you this uh, video to watch before they let you take that baby home now, right? Because they realize that we just can't do this without videos. And so I'm sitting there intently watching every single video. I'm like, oh, this is how you change that baby. Oh, if the baby does this, then this is how we take care of the baby. So I, I knew about timeouts, right? I knew about age going timeouts and how you tenderly speak to it. I do it all. But when I had my two-year-old, everything changed. And for a long time, we'd stand strong. I'd use all the methods. We'd do the rules. We'd discipline. We'd stand firm. We'd say no. And then these kids just wear you down. They wear you down. And when finally you couldn't do anymore, you just 
cave in and you become like all these other parents. I'll do whatever you want. I'll give you anything. Just shut up. (laughs) Candy, money, you want a new car? (laughs) I'll get you a pony, a cat, whatever it is that you want. Just please listen. In fact, there is no other creature alive that will do to you what a two-year-old will do to you. A two-year-old will look you in the eye and never break eye contact. They'll stare you down and they'll take a dump in their pants right there every single time. And you won't ever see it coming. The only thing that you notice if you have a trained eye, right? They tighten their lips a little bit. And then you go to them and you will literally ask them, are you pooed? Did you do caca right now? And they'll tell you, no. They lie to you. Tiny, crazy two-year-olds. All of this to say, the wise men, they're bowing down to a two-year-old. And now for me, that rivals the virgin birth. To lay down and to look at that little two-year-old and say, I worship you. I want to talk to you this morning about kneeling in the presence of God. Let's call it what it is. In our culture, most of you aren't going to go, oh, that's easy. I like kneeling before God. It's like lifting your hands. A lot of us did that the very first time as an act of worship. It pushes us out of a a comfort zone. You may kneel maybe two times in your life, ever. Number one, when you're proposing. Or number two, if you were part of a football team or a sports team and you're kneeling down and taking a picture. That's about the only time that you will ever kneel. So culturally speaking, most of us don't go around kneeling. Yet when you look at God's word, you're going to see over and over again opportunities to kneel down in humble submission and in awe of God's goodness. In fact, Psalm 95 verses 6 and 7, the psalmist speaks to us like this and says, Come, let us bow down in worship and kneel before the Lord our maker. Let us bow down in worship and kneel before the Lord our maker because he's our God. We are the people of his pasture. We are the flock under his care. Come, let us bow down in worship, kneel before the Lord our maker. Now, there's an interesting Hebrew word that's actually translated as worship several times in the Bible. It's the word shachach. Shachach. This word is used 170 times in the entire Bible. So what the word actually means is to bow down low, to kneel in worship. It doesn't mean just worship, but inside this word is the posture of kneeling worship. 170 times in scripture, we're told in this world to kneel before God in worship. In fact, just a tidbit of story. If you ever go to Israel, if you ever go to Bethlehem, you will enter into the church of the nativity. When you enter into the church of the nativity, it is one of the most unique churches on the face of the planet. If you are a tall person, you will have a lot of difficulty entering into this church. The door of this church was purposely made so that everyone who would enter into this building would have to bow as they were entering into the church of the nativity. In Bethlehem, the place of Jesus' birth. This is a powerful Middle Eastern culture, cultural thing. It is a sign of respect. One of the reasons why I believe culturally we don't kneel more often is because we don't understand sometimes or comprehend the holiness of God. You see, if we understood just how holy God was, then we would want to be low in worship before him. You see, God is so holy that mortal man cannot even look upon his essential being and 
live. God the Father. Whenever Moses wanted to see the glory of God, Moses, uh, God said to Moses, you can't handle my full glory, so I'll pass by you, but you've got to cover your face. You will only see my back when it goes by because you cannot look at my face and live. This was God's interaction with Moses. In fact, in the Old Testament, no one was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies except for the high priest. You ever heard of Yom Kippur? The day of atonement. So one day of year, the high priest would be able to go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, and offer up a sacrifice for the people. Because they believed that you could not go into where God would dwell and be able to live. They would actually do something interesting. When the high priest would go in, they would tie a rope around his legs. And if they heard a thump, they would pull the rope. Because they weren't even sure that somebody could live in the presence of God. So holy is God that mortal man cannot look at him in his purest essence and even live. Suddenly you start to comprehend that God, the glory of God, the one who spoke, the one who created everything, suddenly kneeling before him seems like the right thing to do. In fact, what's incredibly interesting to me is I cannot find a single place in the Bible that tells us to actually bow down to him. God never tells us to bow down to him. It's almost as if every portion of the Bible, when it talks about bowing down to God, it almost assumes we just will because we know who he is. We know what he's done for us. The only thing he says about it is don't bow down to someone else. God says, don't bow down to any false idols. Don't put any other gods before me. Because God literally almost assumes that when we know who he is, we will want to kneel before him and worship him. What I want to do is I want to inspire you to come to worship. Not just to worship at church, but to let your life be full of worship to God. To lift up holy hands every now and then. To bring your gift as an act of worship to God. To pour our hearts to him. And every now and then, perhaps to get on your knees. Or maybe a little lower on your face before God and say, God, I want there to be less of me and more of you. What better time when we pause in the middle of the hustle and bustle in this world to think about the birth of Christ. That God so loved the world that he became one of us, not born in a palace, but born in a hole in the wall, a manger to symbolize that he is not too far reaching, that he came for the lowest of the low. I've always loved this about scripture. You see, the Bible is so counterintuitive. The Bible never tries to go out there and reach the rich of the rich. This gospel is a gospel for the poor. And it says that from the very, very beginning. In fact, it tells you several times as you gain money, it'll become more and more difficult for you. Not because money is evil in and of itself, but it is the root, the desire of it is the root of all evil. Sometimes the only reasonable response is to bow down and to worship him. So what I want to do is to help you out giving you three different reasons why you might want to bow down or kneel before the Lord. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. Some of you might want to kneel before Jesus, God, in pursuit. In fact, in Mark's gospel, in the 10th chapter, there's a really interesting story about a very rich guy. 
He had everything that everybody would think that he needed. And yet he was missing something and he knew it. And so here's how the story goes. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. It's on your outlines. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him. And what did he do? He fell on his knees before Jesus. And he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now I want to be honest with you. I have bet throughout the course of this entire church time that I have been here, I have preached this story probably about 20 different times and in 20 different ways. But I never noticed this man's posture. I always focus on the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I never recognized that this guy literally fell on his knees. He collapsed before Jesus. He was so desperate, knowing he had everything that everybody else wanted. So I just just put this in the modern context. He had the big house. He had all the modern day amenities. He woke up. He had heated tile in his bathroom. He could take any vacation he wanted. Whenever he wanted to go out fishing, he had the top of the line boat to be able to take him there. Everything that he could have wanted. He lived in all of the comfort and all of the amenity of his time. But he was missing what everybody needs. And in pursuit of the answer to that question, he fell on his knees before God. Some of you right now, you may be in a place like that in your life where you're not a committed God follower and maybe you know it. You may believe in God, but he is not the sole pursuit of your heart. Some of you may, you may not even know what you believe. You're questioning, is there a God? Could there be a God? If there is a God, does Jesus fit the mold? Or perhaps is there another faith? Maybe you're wondering all these kinds of things. Well, this is a great place to investigate that. And I want to encourage you, if that's where you are, here's what you might do. You might decide that this is pretty important. I don't want to miss this. Therefore, I'm going to kneel. I don't even know if I'm kneeling to a God I believe in. Think about what this man is going through his head. I don't even know if I'm kneeling before a God I believe in. I don't know who he is, but I'm going to kneel just in case. And I'm going to ask some questions. And you might kneel just like this man in pursuit and pray something along the lines, God, if you're really there, show me. If it's really you, reveal yourself. Listen to me, just to warn you, when you pray something like that, get ready. Because when you draw near to him, the Bible says that God draws near to you. And there may be some of you at this point saying, you know what? This is a pretty serious thing. I'm going to kneel in pursuit to God just like this rich young ruler did. There are others of you, you're followers of Jesus, and you don't necessarily need to kneel in pursuit, but you may need to kneel in repentance. You see, every now and then, or sometimes often, we do things that really break the heart of God and hurt our lives or hurt other people. I don't know why, but Christmas time is always a magnifier. Christmas seems to make good times really good and hard times really, really hard. If you've done something against someone, directly against God or directly against someone you love, this time magnifies the weight of sin. Some of you right now, you may be smiling on the outside, but you're grieving on the inside because you've done something to hurt someone that you love deeply. There's a powerful example of kneeling and repentant in Luke's gospel in the fifth chapter. You see, Peter was a fisherman. He was fishing all day long and he didn't catch anything. Jesus comes up to the boat and he says, hey, why don't you throw the net on the other side of the boat? Now put yourself in Peter's place for a second. 
This man was a small business owner, right? He owned his own fishing industry. He has been fishing his entire life. If you're Peter, then you're probably thinking in this moment, dude, I am a small business owner. I am the expert at fishing here. You are the carpenter. You go make me a table and I'll put fish on it. Don't give me advice. Isn't that how we think sometimes? You go, why why are you giving me advice? Unsolicited advice. I don't care. This is my field. When I need your advice in your field, I'll ask you a question about it. So Peter's like, oh, because you say it, I'll I'll just give it a try. And he throws the net on the other side. And then their net starts to break. And he looks up almost at amazement at Jesus. I didn't realize who you are. Look at uh, uh, Peter's response in verse 8. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus. And in an act of repentance, watch his heart. He says, oh, I worship. You're so good. Give me more fish, right? No. (laughs) Here's what he says. Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. That was Peter's reaction to the Lord Jesus. There's an act of repentance. Here's the beautiful thing. Jesus never turns away a sinner with a repentant heart. He never does. There's some of you right now, you may be surprised that you're in church and you're thinking, maybe you thought, if I go to church, the roof might fall on me. People are going to look at me. They're going to know what I did. And you got this really uncomfortable feeling in you saying, I don't know if I belong. Listen to me. It doesn't matter how bad you are. You belong in the presence of God with a repentant heart. Jesus never turns away anyone who comes before him and says, I need you. See, Peter was a bad guy. He falls before his knees in repentance and Jesus says, guess what? From now on, you're not just going to fish for fish, but you're going to become a fisher of men. Another version, this is for you single women. Single ladies, write this down, put it on the refrigerator. He says, from now on, you will catch men. (laughs) I won't say that ever again, but it could work for some of you, right? So here we are kneeling down in repentance, and there will be some of you that that's what you're going to need to do. You're going to kneel down and say, God, I've sinned against you. I desperately need you. Here's the good news. Scripture scripture teaches us when you confess your sins, our God is faithful and just to forgive all your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In the song, O Holy Night, there's a verse that says this, O fall on your knees. You might collapse and say, God, I've done something wrong. Will you forgive me? In that moment, you will experience the most powerful thing over the face of the earth, the grace of God. You might want to stay on your knees a little bit longer as you begin to worship the one who freely forgives you. Some of you, you may want to kneel in pursuit. Some of you, you're going to want to kneel in repentance. There are other of you who will want to kneel in submission. Maybe for the first time in your life or maybe in a particular area where you won't let go because you want to control it, you're going to have to kneel in submission. Now, I'm going to confess this to you, and I know that it might bother 
a lot of you, but I know as a pastor, I shouldn't, but I do. I like UFC fighting and boxing, okay? I shouldn't like it when men hit each other, but I do. And uh, I really love it. Is there anybody else who likes to see two grown people hitting each other and getting messed up in a ring? Yeah, I, I do. I do. Okay. Um, I like it when they finally get them in a hold, right? When they finally get them in a hold, they got, I realize this suit jacket's really tight. If you love me, Christmas is in two days. You can get me a brand new one. <laughs> if they can't breathe or their arms are about to snap or they get them in their arm in submission, what do they do? How do they end it when the pressure is on? What do they do? Release me! They tap out. They give up. They submit. They surrender. They say, I give up. I can't do this. Now, God only blessed me with one son, and he's only nine months old, so I can't beat him up yet. But I have two daughters, right? And uh, remember, I told you two-year-olds, right? They're crazy, okay? So I have a two-year-old, Sophia. She won't ever tap. She doesn't give up. I hold her down and I'll try to tell her, say, Dada's the greatest. Dada's the greatest. Mama's the greatest. No, no. I'm going to beat you up. Say, Dada's the greatest. No, Mama's the greatest. I'm going to take your toys away. No, Mama's the greatest. This kid will never tap out no matter what. There's some of you like that with God. There's some of you in your life who you won't tap. You want it this way. I want it my way. It's like that Backstreet Boys song. There's some of you God has been reaching out to you for years and you just won't tap. You won't surrender to his plan for you, which is far better than your own plan. Some of you need to tap out. You need to kneel. You need to surrender before God. What's crazy to me to think about is this, that Jesus did this. Jesus, the one that we celebrate, born of a virgin in the little major, was born to die. Jesus being God and the flesh knew what was coming ahead. He never sinned against God, yet he knew the agony that he would face as the entire sin of the world would come upon him. Everything that we've ever done wrong, that's what he became. So much so that God turned, God the Father turned away from him as he faced the agony of the cross without the presence of the Father who had sustained him through everything. Jesus understood that this was coming. Luke chapter 22 verses 41 to 42, and this is in your outlines too. Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond the disciples. So what did Jesus, the very son of God, do? He knelt down and he prayed. He got down on his knees and he prayed. What did he pray? He prayed a prayer of surrender. And he said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet, yet, not my will, but your will be done. Not mine, not what I want, not what I desire. What you want, 
what you desire. Some of you, you're going to need to pray today and you're going to need to tap out and say, God, not why my will, not what I desire. I surrender. Some of you look at people and you say, you seem so strong. How do you do it? Sometimes people say, Pastor Tom, how do you keep on going in the midst of opposition? I'd say this, kneeling to pray is often what gives you the strength to stand. Remember that. Kneeling to pray is often what gives you the strength to stand. Some of you, it's time to lift up holy hands before God, to bring our gifts, to pour our hearts, but maybe for you, a new and very worshipful, surrendered, submissive position of worship in all before God is literally to kneel before him. Come, let us kneel. Remember the scripture says, before God and worship him, the Lord God, our maker. Now I'll let you in on, on a little bit secret. You can kneel now or you can kneel later, but you will kneel to him. You can kneel now in pursuit and repentance and in submission and worship or one day when it isn't your choice, you will kneel. Look at Philippians chapter 2 verses 8 through 11. This is the apostle Paul speaking. Read this with me if you could. If you could take your outlines out, let's all read it together. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our God never asked us to bow before him because he knew that when we knew who he was, our only reasonable response would be to bow down and worship him. That is how good he is. On this Christmas time, this season of the year, I want to give you the chance to bow down before God and worship him and acknowledge him as the savior of your life. Would you join me in praying? Father, we thank you so much for who you are and for what you did for us 2,000 years ago. For centuries, people anticipated the birth of the Messiah. Now we look back and we celebrate who he is. We celebrate what he did for us on the cross and we can glorify him because of what it means for us today. As we begin in that attitude of worship, I want to call you to prayer. I want to call you today to be that person that kneels in submission. I want to call you today to be that person that kneels in repentance. I want to call you to be that person that maybe you're a seeker. And you're saying, well, I I don't know what I believe. What do I really believe? I want to call you to be that person that kneels before the Lord Jesus in pursuit. And ask him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Father, we thank you that you are so holy that you give us the chance to bow down and worship you. God, during this Christmas season, we take a moment to recognize the amazing truth of the grace you have for us. That you came to earth through the virgin birth. 
your son Jesus born to die so that we could live God because of that we worship you and as you take a moment to pray some of you you're going to recognize in your life that it's time to kneel and surrender before him there may be an area of your life that you're trying to control some area that you're not willing to tap out and maybe today you recognize I need to let this go I'm trying to have my will but I need to surrender and say God not my will but I trust that your will would be done those of you who would say that yes that's an area I've been trying to control either symbolically or even physically today and you're saying I choose to kneel before God I want to let go of my control and trust his perfect will in my life I kneel in faith and surrender before him if that's for you today I'm calling you to pray and say yes I surrender to him in this way God I thank you that in this holy moment you're doing a work in hearts I pray God that your Holy Spirit would work in us that there would be less of God, us God and more of you and just like Jesus in that garden when he didn't want to physically endure the shame and pain of the cross he surrendered kneeling in prayer before you to your perfect will God give us the ability to do that in our hearts today not what we want God but we kneel before you and surrender saying we want what you want as you keep on praying today we've talked about other reasons that you might kneel we would kneel and pursue God we might kneel in repentance there's some of you today that you're going to recognize if you look at the posture of your heart symbolically you have never never knelt before God please don't miss out on the power of Christmas that God recognized that we were separated from him by our sins and the only way that we could be forgiven forgiven is that a perfect person would have to die in our place God, we thank you that you sent Jesus who was born of a virgin, not inheriting the sin nature of an earthly father so that he could live the perfect life and die the perfect death for all of our imperfections, all of our sins on the cross. And lastly, there are some of you who are going to recognize that you have never knelt in your heart before God. In other words, you're still the Lord of your own life. You're doing life your own way you recognize today that you want to surrender to him whether if it's physically kneeling if you can or simply kneeling before God in your heart some of you are going to recognize I need to surrender my life completely to him I'm pursuing him I repent of my sins when you call on him God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and years from now you'll look back and say it was during that Christmas time that I knelt in surrender before God and he changed my life because Jesus was born to give his life for me so that I could live for him you recognize you're trying to control and you want to surrender to him to make him Lord and Savior of your life by faith today and that's your prayer let's pray if that's you and you're saying I want to give my life to Jesus I'm surrendering my life to the Lord Heavenly Father forgive me of all my sins make me brand new just as Jesus was born in this world may he be born in my heart I surrender and kneel before you making you my Savior and my Lord my life is not my own today I give it to you thank you for new life now you have mine in Jesus name I pray 
Would you all rise to your feet as we celebrate the best Christmas ever? Let's welcome those who have made that prayer, who have been born into the family of God this morning.